Um, if you are first grade, kids first grade and younger only are going to be going down for the children's church time. Um, are there packets out in the hallway that they can grab if you want to grab one of those? And what are you, treasure seekers, treasure finders? Treasure seekers. All right. So treasure seekers, you get to stay up here if you're second grade and up, and you get prizes if you do these packets each week. All right. So with that, I'm just going to ask you to stand up one more time, and, and we're going to uh, read God's Word together. This is a memory verse, and hopefully we're all putting God's Word deep down in our hearts. And so let's read this together and then keep putting it in our hearts throughout the week. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Yeah, yes, you said it again. Well done. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you, God, that you have, have chosen those who believe in you for a special calling, that you put us at the place of royal priests. We are kings and queens that are under you as the high king, but you have chosen us to do amazing things on your behalf. Not that you couldn't do it, but that you've chosen us. And that's just a beautiful thing to get to partner with the God of the universe. Thank you for that, God. God, we pray that this morning that we will be equipped for that purpose, that we'll be encouraged, that we will be uh, more capable of sharing the good news with other people because of our time with each other. God, we pray that we will be able to walk with each other well as we go through the ups and downs in life. Like Shane said, if the Rossies do hard things, as believers, we're asked to do hard things. And so we, we want to commit to do that the way you ask us to do it, as royal priests. And God, we also pray for our time today, um, just, just that it will glorify you. That it's not about us primarily, but us before an infinite, holy God. And we want to lift you up and praise you. And so be honored, we pray, and be glorified through every word and every thought we have today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So go ahead, stay standing, and just so you know what to expect, we're going to have a time of music. There will be a time when the littles, the, the one, uh, first grades and younger, will be able to go downstairs. You'll see a note for that. And um, then we're going to go and we're going to have a message today. And just so you're heads up about it, Ray Choate is going to be bringing us the, the message from the Bible today. And we're really grateful for him growing and learning and doing this so that we can grow alongside of him today. And so... Um, uh, yeah, let's go into a time of music now. Um, you're going to notice this morning that we've got a, a guest speaker who's not really a guest. He's one of us um, here at First Baptist. And uh, I just I want to open up in a word of prayer for him. But before I do, um, this is kind of a cool, this is going to be something that hopefully we see more and more. We're going to see our elders begin to come up and to teach and to preach. And, and uh, that's part of one of the things that we do as elders, spiritual oversight. And I, it also, it's a reminder to us as a church that the church, it believes, we believe as a church in a plurality of leaders. That means that we don't build this church around one guy, right? We build this church around a group of men that are leading together under our chief shepherd who is Jesus, who is Jesus, our chief shepherd. And so, guys, I'm going to pray for Ray, and Ray's going to come up and share the word of God with us. Um, give him your ear and uh, give him your heart. Lord Jesus, I do. And I just pray for Ray right now, God, that Holy Spirit, that you would speak through him to each one of us here this morning. God, I pray our hearts would be open and ready to receive life-changing truth that comes from your word, God. And we know it has the power of salvation and so, God, we just pray that that power would rain down on us this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And guys, give it up for Ray. 
think I'm on? All right. Sounds terrible. <laughs> Guys in the loft are doing great. Don't worry, it's just me. A uh, couple of months ago, Shane and I had a conversation. He says, what do you think, it, what do you think uh, being an elder looks like? I said, or he says, what do you think uh, an elder should be? I said, uh, you know, I think the elders are, you know, are supposed to be like the, um, the, 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 the chief ministers, the prime, the, the head, you know, the ministers of the church, the, 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 um, you know, the leaders. Apparently, okay, so apparently I'm an old guy now. So, um, uh. Anyways, he says, what do you think about preaching? I said, well, I've always dreamt of it, but I'm terrified of it. He says, all right, well, maybe someday. And then a couple weeks ago, Shane says, what do you think about preaching uh, in a couple weeks? I was like, uh, I don't know. For personal comfort, I'd prefer to avoid it. But, uh, you know, the good news is I'm not reinventing the wheel here. You know, we're not making up any truths. We're not trying to... You know, the Lord God already did all the work. He sent us this text message from outside of time, space, and matter. And everything that we need to know about him, all of the truths about him are in that book. And everything that we need is there. All we have to do is share it. And so that's where I'm at today. So how are you guys doing today? Good. We... uh we had a fun night last night. If anybody has seen, seen Shanna's Facebook, you see a picture of some cows out on the road. Maybe that's not so wild in Wyoming, unless they're your family's cows. Uh, uh, we woke up out of a sleep this morning to the sound. We've got a, we've got a driveway alarm because he can't see the end of the driveway. So we woke up to ding dong, ding dong. It was like... Doorbell's ringing. Wait, the doorbell's ringing. So I'm waiting for headlights down at the bottom of the driveway, and there was nothing. And so I laid back down, and it happened again, and go down there to find out that pretty much the whole herd is out on the road. So we uh, got out of bed at 12.30 this morning to go chase cows. Yeah, we've got like a driveway alarm down at the bottom because you can't see the bottom of the driveway. So they were setting it off. Yeah. We don't actually have a doorbell. Uh, anyways. So we've been in the book of Mark so far, looking at who Jesus is, taking a look at uh, how did he get here? Where did he come from? What was his purpose here on earth? Um, it's recorded that before he even began his ministry, which is where we're at now in the early part of his ministry, that he was tempted three times, as a matter of fact. So why? Three is a number of completion. It's a number of perfection, divine perfection. Jesus stood the test to prove his, his identity, to prove his godliness, to prove that he was the perfect one, the, the God-man, the the Son of Man, as the Scriptures say it, but essentially the God-Man, fully God, fully man, all at the same time. Um, we left off at the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. We're going to see another miracle here. Um, and this time, he's going he's gonna to encounter some friction this time with the Pharisees. 
Um, he hadn't even, at this point, he hasn't called all 12 of his disciples. He has a few followers so far, but not quite all the 12. Um, word of his miracles have spread all over the land so far, and people are coming from far and wide to come and see his miracles and to get healing from the physical conditions that they um, suffered from. <clears throat> the Jews had been taught improper doctrine from, the, from their religious leadership. They suffered from governmental oppression. They, they lived under the rule of the Roman government. The, gov- the Romans um, took advantage of them every chance they could, uh, took their money, kept them oppressed. And um, at this point, the Jewish, Jewish people believed that the saving that they needed was from the now, from, from the present, from the conditions that they were afflicted by right now, from the day-to-day stuff. As we move through this section, <clears throat> we're going to begin to see that Jesus had a much bigger mission with a different salvation in mind, a healing that would pay off not only now, but later as well. So we pick up in Mark chapter 3, verse 1. If you guys want to open up with me, we'll read through 1 through 5. I don't have any eye candy for you guys for the screens. I'm a pretty low-tech kind of guy. This is what I've got. I did write it on a computer. My wife was thoroughly impressed. I'm a notebook kind of guy. Notebooks don't crash. Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man who was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. So, Um, here he is. He's in the synagogue. It's the Sabbath. He's, uh, he's about to perform another miracle, a healing. And we just, as we just read at the end of chapter two, the Pharisees were all over him for, uh, uh, for his disciples plucking grain heads in the field, basically for a snack. They weren't really working, but Technically, by the letter of the law, it qualified as work. So they're like, look, they're working. Let's get them. That's got to be an offense. So they watched him. They, the Pharisees were on to him. Um, they, and previously before that, they, they, were, they were watching him because the disciples weren't fasting. Um, so the Pharisees had a keen insight on Christ. They, they were essentially um, his enemies, you know, but let's remember that the enemies aren't flesh and blood. It's powers and principalities. 
in spiritual battle. Um, but yeah, they had eyes on him. Uh, they, they were watching him. They were watching his every step. They were looking for arrestable offenses. Um, I think if uh, mothers in here that have had uh, sons who've started talking to girls, got laser vision on those, on those, on those girls, you know, we've got, got a threat coming in, got, got, got females moving in on my territory. I got to watch that. That's the Pharisees watching Christ. They knew that he posed a threat to every, to their little system that they had built up. And, um, he was, it was, it was going to present some problems for them. Set also there in verse two, we know that it, they, there was the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. Um, you know, this man, you know, is, is, is there, he's probably praying to the Lord, looking to the Lord for, for his help, for his healing. And the Pharisees knew that that guy was there. They knew good and well that Jesus was going to be genuinely interested in that particular guy. Jesus couldn't, he, they knew he wasn't going to be able to help himself. There was this guy here that had an affliction, and, and based off what they'd seen so, so far, they knew that Jesus was going to be magnetized to that guy. But I don't think they were looking for the miracle in it. They were looking for the arrestable offenses. And they were looking for arrestable offenses because Jesus was, was a threat. He was a threat to, first off, the kingship. Because remember back um, in Matthew 2, King Herod heard about Jesus and tried to eradicate the problem by calling, killing off all of, the, all, of the, all of the firstborn under two. Secondly, he was a threat to the Pharisees' authority. Back in, uh, back in the book of Matthew, five, chapter 5, verse 20, it says, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is always interested in the most needy person in the room. It's where his heart gravitates towards. But then on the flip side, when we're in those shoes, when we're the most needy person in the room, weighted down by our needs, we feel, I don't think the Lord's real interested in me. I mean, I can certainly understand his interest in the godly group, the gathering, the ones who were at the synagogue, the ones who were, you know, gathering to, to worship and to pray, you know, as God in the flesh, you could see his attraction to that. But, but sometimes when, when, when we have the needs, we don't feel like maybe he's so interested in us. Maybe we don't feel worthy. They knew, the Pharisees knew that Christ could never stand in the presence of a damaged and defeated life without doing something about it. So in verse three, it's the Sabbath day. In Shane's words, dun, dun, dun. Everybody say it. Okay. It's the Sabbath day. It's the day. What are you supposed to do on the Sabbath day? Nothing, right? All right, rest, I guess. Worship. According to the traditions, it's unlawful to heal on the Sabbath day. According to the traditions. 
how blinding and inhibiting can traditions be in our lives? I think we've all had some pretty intimate experiences with that in the last few years, say like COVID lockdowns and the holidays and the family gatherings. Um, a lot of us became pretty well aware of how important our traditions were. Um, how about in church? We certainly build up some traditions in the church, don't we? Um, you know, Sometimes the programs that we have, maybe the way that we do offering, whether or not we pass the plate, not a bad thing, not a wrong thing, but we can certainly get hung up on it. Maybe the way we dress, um, traditions in the way the building should look, or the way the service should run, where we sit. I don't know about you guys, but I gravitated towards the same spot today. You know, sometimes is it you know is it wrong to sit in the same spot? No. Is it a sin? No. Um, I hope not. I do it every week. <laughs> but uh, does it? Can it be inhibiting? Sometimes, yeah. You know, maybe we're so stuck on sitting in our same spot that uh, you know newcomers feel unwelcomed because there's not room because we're not willing to move. You know, there's an in, 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 inhibition that it can be. The Pharisees often, they seek to hinder the work of God because it's a threat, because they feel showing up by it. They know that there's power in the living word of God, and Jesus is the living word of God right there in front of them. Sorry, this is my nervous habit. Jesus challenged the Pharisees' traditions he asked them in verse 4, he said, Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? And notice the Pharisees' response. It's crickets. They remained, they kept silent, it says. They knew. They knew he had them cornered. So let's, hmm, let's weigh it out a little bit. Well, first off, it's, it's never lawful to do evil. So we're going to have to go with good. To have the capacity to help and not do anything about it would be evil. So he's got him pinned. To save life or to kill? Let's weigh it out a little bit. Well, it's never lawful to kill, so we're going to have to go with save life. He's got him. Again, silence. This angered Jesus in verse 5. It says, he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Anger is a rare emotion for Christ. It's a reaction to the hardness of the Pharisees' hearts. This is never said of Jesus in regards of a sinner. Never when he is helping a sinner is he angry. It's in dealing with the, the religious Pharisees, the ones who think highly of themselves, that he gets angry. It's only those who hinder or take advantage of the work of God that he gets angry with. So he's dealing with the man with the withered hand. We're going to back it up a little bit to verse 3. He said, step forward. He asked the man to take, act, to, to take action, to come forward. Come to me, he says. It's on. Jesus is taking it on. He's doing it. He's going for it head first. He knows the Pharisees are watching. He's got them pinned, and he's going for it head on. He's going to fight that battle. 
He's going to challenge their traditions. He takes away all question and doubt. No more wondering. Just watch and see. Verse 5, he says, stretch out your hand. It's an impossible task. This guy's lived with this probably all of his life for a good portion of it. He's lived with it long enough to know that he's got this withered, cramped up hand that won't do anything. And he's probably tried everything and nothing has worked. And he knows that no matter how hard he wants to think about it, try about it, or do something about it, that that hand ain't going anywhere. So he's got one of two options at this point. He can argue the command. He can say, no, no, we're not going there. That's too, that's my, that's my space. He could find all the reasons not to. He could dodge it. He could try to shut it down. He could say, well, I don't know, Jesus, nothing's ever worked before. Been rubbing this lotion on it that they sold me up at the temple. It's not working. Or he could obey the command. He could trust. Imagine yourself in the synagogue that day. All of the tensions that are building. It's like the stare down. It's like the, it's like the, the, show, the gunfight at the OK Corral. You know, it's, wish I could do the whistle. <laughs> Anyways, we've got the man. He stretches out his hand. He trusts, he decides to trust. And he discovers that when he chooses to obey all that he needed in that moment, all that he needed to be, all that he needed to be able to trust was given to him in that moment. All he did was he decided to trust. Jesus says, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out. And that hand was made whole, just like the other hand. Jesus wants to face that withered area in our lives. Maybe it's not a hand. Maybe it's not even something physical. But maybe maybe it's shame of the past. Maybe it's a failure. Maybe regrets that we have for decisions that we made or experiences that we had. Maybe, maybe a loss of a family member that's left a hole in our lives, in our hearts. Maybe it's current issues, things that we're dealing with, things that we're struggling with right now, things that keep us from trusting, being able to trust God, things like sin issues, lust, idols, um, drunkenness, um, addictions that we have. Maybe it's Maybe it's a relationship with somebody that's not right. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Jesus wants to deal with all of those things. He asks each one of us to stretch out our hands. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So church, if we're willing to step out in faith, if we're willing to step forward and come to Jesus and just trust and stretch out our hands, he will give us all that we need to be free and victorious. John 8.36 says that if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Romans 8.1-4 says if there are There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit 
of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the sin of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He says, he started that off with therefore. So what's that therefore? Back that up a little bit. Previously, couple previous couple verses before that was Romans 7, 24 to 25. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but the flesh, the law of sin. We, we step forward, trust Jesus. He gives us all that we need. We walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. In the flesh, it seems impossible. In the spirit, all things can be made whole. So <clears throat> that's that. Um, couple of, I have a couple of life group discussions for you guys. Um, as you guys gathered this week, a couple things to think about. Am I hindering God's work with my traditions? Kind of like Shane talked about back in Mark chapter 2. The paralyzed man, verse 4, talking about how he was blocked by the crowds. And we ask ourselves, how are we blocking people from coming to Jesus? Well, even more so, maybe even a little bit more personally, how do my traditions block the work of Christ? And even challenging you guys a little bit more, maybe to go a little bit deeper, challenging myself even more so greatly, because anybody in my life group knows that I don't share a whole lot, because... It's not. Anyways, uh, what area of your life do you need to trust Jesus with? What withered area of your life? What is it that keeps you from being able to trust him? So that's all. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Ray. Before you go, I just, I'm thinking, wow, I'm thinking about parts of my life that I would find to be withered. And I'm thinking this week, I want to spend time, like you said, kind of figuratively, but literally stretching my hands out and asking the Lord to deal with me in those areas. Church, can we do that? Can we call out to our Lord and our Savior and say, I need this? Can we listen to him when he says, come to me? I think we can do that, church. Let's do that. I want to pray that over us. And then we have an opportunity to draw near to the Lord through communion together. So... Lord Jesus, we do just pray as a church. God, both collectively we pray, if there's any withered areas in us as a faith family, as a body of Christ, I pray, Lord, that we would come to you. And Lord Jesus, I do pray that individually, if there's people here, all of us we know have a withered piece of our life that we need to come to you and we need to seek you out and we need to present it to you, Lord, so that we might be healed. Because you say that you will, you will forgive us of our sins and you'll do so and still be just. God, we praise you and thank you that you did that by the cross. And so God, I pray that you would do that over those areas in our life moving forward. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.